0: Welcome to another episode of I made a biology podcast to help me study. Well, Lara actually made this podcast, but I'm here to help out with the some of the high-level topics. And today we're actually going to review 7.3, which is translation. And we're going to start off by looking at ribosomes and tRNA, specifically the skill, the use of molecular visualization software to analyze the structure of eukaryotic ribosomes and a tRNA molecule. So ribosomes are made up of protein for stability and ribosomal RNA. Um, They consist of a large and a small subunit. The small subunit contains the mRNA binding site and the large ribosomal subunit contains the three tRNA binding sites, the A site, the P site and the E site. More detail about them in the actual process of translation. So ribosomes can be found either freely floating in the cytosol or like the cytoplasm or bound to the rough ER Um, and they can be different sizes in prokaryotes and eukaryotes. For example in prokaryotes they are 70S and in eukaryotes they are 80S which is an important difference between prokaryotic and eukaryotic cells. Now, transfer RNA, which is also called tRNA, is a molecule which is folded into a cloverleaf type of structure with four main regions. We have the acceptor stem, which is 3 um, cca, um, which will carry the specific amino acid. Then we have the anticodon, which associates with the mRNA codon via the complementary base pairing. And then we have the T arm, which associates with the ribosome. Um, and then we have the D arm, which associates with um, the tRNA activating enzymes. Um, and then to visualize these molecularly, you can go to Bioninja um, and actually click on the links um, of the topic 7.3. Now moving on to tRNA activation, specifically the application tRNA activating enzyme illustrate enzyme substrate specificity and the role of phosphorylation. So, each tRNA molecule actually binds with a specific amino acid in the cytoplasm in a reaction catalyzed by a tRNA-activating enzyme. Each amino acid is recognized by a specific enzyme. and The enzyme may actually recognize multiple tRNA molecules due to degeneracy. The binding of the amino acid to the tRNA acceptor stem occurs as a result of a two-step process. First, the enzyme binds ATP to the specific amino acid to form an amino acid AMP complex, which is linked by a high energy bond since the PP from the ATP molecule will be released. Um, The amino acid is then actually coupled to tRNA and the um, AMP will be released. So the ATP, which was just formed into AMP, so phosphorylated into AMP, is now um, released. And that means that the tRNA molecule is now actually charged and therefore ready for use. Now, the function of the ATP phosphorylation um, is to create a high energy bond that is transferred to the TRNA molecule because this stored energy will then provide the majority of the energy required for the peptide bond formation during translation. And now moving on to the actual process of translation. We begin with the understanding initiation of translation involves the assembly of the components that carry out the process. So the first stage of translation is initiation and it is basically the assembly of mRNA, tRNA and the ribosome which are all needed to carry out the whole process. So during trans. Um, specifically initiation, the small ribosomal subunit binds to the five end of the mRNA because also translation results in a five or translation works in the five to three direction. So the small ribosomal subunit binds to the five end and then moves along it until it reaches the start codon AUG. And this start codon actually um, codes for the amino acid methionine. Now, um, the appropriate tRNA molecule binds to the codon via its anticodon, so that's also according to um, complementary base pairing. So if your start codon is AUG, the tRNA um, anticodon is going to be UAC. Finally, the large ribosomal subunit aligns itself to the tRNA molecule at the P site and forms a complex with the small ribosomal subunit so now you have the full ribosome and this p site you can remember the e p a site as the arrival site the p site the process site and then the exit site now um, the second step is elongation. And elongation is when the, a second tRNA molecule pairs with the next codon in the ribosomal subunit A. The amino acid in the P-site, so that was um, actually attached to the tRNA molecule, is now co- going to be covalently attached via a peptide bond to the amino acid in the A site. And then the tRNA in the P site is deacylated, so that means that it no longer has an amino acid, while the tRNA in the A site carries the peptide chain. Then during translocation, the ribosome moves along the mRNA strand by one codon, so in the five to three direction, and the deacylated tRNA moves to the E site, so the exit site, while the others move to the P site. And then another um, tRNA molecule attaches to the next codon in the unoccupied A site and the process is repeated all over. And during termination um, that basically occurs once the stop codon has been reached Um, Elongation and translocation occur in a repeating cycle until the ribosome reaches the stop codon codon, which is basically the release factor for all Um, and then um, the polypeptide is released and the ribosome disassembles back into its two independent subunits. So that means that we actually just covered the understanding synthesis of the polypeptide involves a repeated cycle of events, so elongation translocation, and the understanding disassembly of the components follows termination of translation now continuing to the next understanding which is translation can occur immediately after transcription in prokaryotes due to the absence of a nuclear membrane so i actually already touched upon post transcriptional modification and the difference between a prokaryote and a eukaryote in 7.2 i believe it is um but here it just gets um said once again so basically In eukaryotes, the ribosomes are separated from the genetic material by the nucleus. After transcription, the mRNA has to be transported from the nucleus um, into um, the ribosomes in the cytosol or the cytoplasm. And that transport actually requires the modification of RNA via methyl capping, splicing, and polyadenylation. Prokaryotes actually lack compartmentalized structures, so for example, the nucleus or the mitochondria, and so transcription and translation need not to be separated, and therefore the ribosomes um, can actually begin translating the mRNA molecule while it is still being transcribed from the DNA template. And that is um, possible because we know that um, transcription and translation both occur in the five to three direction. Now, the skill identification of polysomes in electron micrographs of prokaryotes and eukaryotes. So a polysome or a polyribosome. Um, is actually a group of two or more ribosomes which translate a mRNA sequence simultaneously. And the um, polysomes will basically um, appear as beads on a string almost. And in prokaryotes, the polysomes may form, well, while the mRNA is still being transcribed as stated, and the ribosomes located at the three end um, of the mRNA strand will have a longer polypeptide chain than those on the five end. And that is especially important when um, answering questions from like micrographs because then you actually know, because you know that um, transcription and translation occur in the five to three direction and thus you'll always know that at the three end, they're gonna have a longer polypeptide chain because translation has already been occurring and therefore the, protein or the polypeptide chain has been elongated. Now moving on to protein destinations, specifically the understandings free ribosomes synthesize proteins for use primarily within the cell and bound ribosomes synthesize proteins primarily for secretion or for use in the lysosomes. Now if the specific protein produced via translation is targeted for intracellular use within the cytosol, so intracellular means that it is used within the cell, so only for that cell, the ribosomes will remain free and unattached in the cytoplasm of the cell. Whilst if the protein is actually targeted for secretion, membrane fixation, or for the use in lysosomes, lysosomes break down molecules, um, the ribosome becomes bound to the ER. So the ER, just important to mention, is the endoplasmic reticulum. And um, you actually have to identify the rough versus the smooth ER when drawing um, cell diagrams. And um, so if you have the protein, which was produced by the rough ribosomes, it's going to move into the um, Golgi apparatus and then um, later that will be released via a vesicle. Bioninja has a more detailed explanation, I just don't think it's too necessary. (laughs) Now moving on to protein structure and just the rest of this whole um, topic. Um, So the understanding the sequence and number of amino acids in a polypeptide is the primary structure so the primary structure is the first level of a structural organization in a protein and yeah it's the order or sequence of the amino acids which comprise the polypeptide chain so so it's just the raw polypeptide chain which was um, produced from by the um, ribosomes from the mRNA molecule. And yeah, the primary structure is formed by covalent peptide bonds. The peptide bonds are especially important to always mention um, between the amine and the carboxyl groups of the adjacent um, amino acids. Then the understanding the secondary structure is the formation of alpha helices and beta pleated sheets stabilized by hydrogen bonding. So the secondary structure is the way a polypeptide folds in a repeating arrangement from, to form alpha helices and beta pleated sheets. So the folding is a result of hydrogen bonding between the amine and the carboxyl groups of non-adjacent amino acids. So amino acids that aren't next to each other. Secondary structures actually provide the polypeptide chain with a level of mechanical stability. Um, And yeah, so the Alpha helices are actually shown as spirals on pictures and the beta pleated sheets are shown as... Now moving on to the understanding that the tertiary structure is the further folding of the polypeptide stabilized by interactions between the R groups. So the tertiary structure is the way that a polypeptide chain coils and turns to form a complex molecular shape. Um, so in that case the 3D shape, it is caused by the interactions between R groups, including um, hydrogen bonds, disulfide bridges, ionic bonds, and hydrophobic interactions. The relative amino acid positions are important, um, and the tertiary structure may be important for the function of the protein. The quaternary structure exists in proteins with more than one um, polypeptide chain and multiple polypeptides or prosthetic groups may interact to form a single or larger biologically active um, protein and the prosthetic group is actually an inorganic compound involved in protein structure or function and a protein containing a prosthetic group is called a conjugated protein. Now the quaternary structures may be held together by a variety of um, bonds, but it's the most complicated um, protein structure. Now, that wraps up um, 7.3 translation. Um, I hope it made sense, and I'll see you next time.